the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blind is engineering and producing today's program, despite the fact that it takes feats of strength and superhuman stamina. Still, he returns week after week to do his job. How you doing, James? Still awake. Well, that's good. I'll ask you again in 10 minutes. We'll probably have a different answer. Well, today is... Uh, Friday, and we tend to lighten up on Fridays and take a look at the news that we don't typically cover, the lighter side of the news. But I do want to start with a little bit of the developing news stories of the day to keep you up to date. Among those stories, North Korea has threatened to halt the denuclearization of its missile program over the United States' continued encouragement of international sanctions. And the missing Iowa College student Molly Tibbetts was likely not kidnapped, but went off with someone she knew the night she disappeared, according to a profiler. Whether or not that reflects what actually happened. Mm. NFL player protests during the national anthem resumed amid unresolved legal um, uh, policies and policies the league is trying to impose as of the 2018 preseason. First full week kicked off on Thursday night. And House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte is reportedly preparing a subpoena uh, for those linked to the controversial and discredited Steele dossier that was allegedly used to justify government surveillance of the Trump campaign team. And a judge threatened to hold Attorney General Jeff Sessions in contempt of court today, or actually yesterday, over the attempted deportation of a migrant mother and her daughter. And we learned today that Iran has test-fired ballistic missile for the first time in 2018. Uh, for the first time uh, in more than a year, Iran test-fired a ballistic missile in a brazen display of defense defiance months after the president pulled the United States out of the landmark nuclear deal and days before his administration slapped new sanctions on the Islamic Republic. Three U.S. officials uh, have acknowledged the test of an Iranian um, Fetah 110 short range missile, uh, ballistic missile rather, coincided with the large scale naval exercises by Iran's Revolutionary Guard forces last week involving over 50 small gunboats in the Straits of Hormuz to rehearse swarm tactics Uh, which could one day potentially shut down the vital waterway, the Straits of Hormuz, through which some 30 percent of the world's oil passes each year. And while the U.S. military publicly acknowledged the naval activity, the missile test from an Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps base in um, uh, Bandar Jask in southeastern Iran has not been previously reported. The launch was detected by U.S. spy satellites. And a hearing date has been set for Judge Kavanaugh in his bid to become the next U.S. Supreme Court justice. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley announced today that the hearing for SCOTUS nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh will begin on September 4th and is expected to last 
for three or four days, if we're lucky. Opening statements by Judiciary Committee members and the nominee will occur on Tuesday, September 4th. The questioning of Judge Kavanaugh will begin on Wednesday, September 5th. Testimony by those who know Judge Kavanaugh the best outside legal experts and the American Bar Association is expected to follow. This announcement comes after the committee has received the largest number of executive branch records ever for the consideration of a Supreme Court nominee. As of today, the committee has received more than 184,000 pages of records from Judge Kavanaugh's work at the White House as a lawyer and his work for independent counsel Kenneth Starr. The committee also expects to receive hundreds of thousands of additional pages of executive branch uh, documents. These records will be uh, reviewed in addition to the 307 cases in which Judge Kavanaugh wrote an opinion as an appeals court judge, the hundreds more opinions he joined, and the more than 17,500 pages of material he provided in response to the committee's bipartisan questionnaire. Judge Kavanaugh says, I'm looking forward to the hearings and the final confirmation uh, to the Supreme Court. We'll see how this um, how this all goes. It sounds so simple when you put it uh, when you put it that way, but it's going to be something other than a peaceful exchange of um, questions and answers. And on this day in 1949, the National Military Establishment is renamed the Department of Defense. Sounds better than the National Military Establishment. And on this day in 1921, Franklin Delano Roosevelt is stricken with polio at his summer home on the Canadian island of uh, Campobello. And in 1846, on this day, President James K. Polk signs a measure establishing the Smithsonian Institution. And if you ever have the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C., they are a must-see. Of course, it's now a collection of museums under the... uh, heading of Smithsonian, but uh, many of them are absolutely fascinating. Well, today was a cooler day. We were expected to reach about 88 uh, as our high. I'm not sure whether or not we've reached that and what the high will ultimately be, but not as hot as it has been. Much cooler tomorrow, we're told, with temperatures expected around 76. And then on Sunday, 83. Kind of reminds you of a Portland summer, doesn't it? Well, Monday, 92. Tuesday, 94. Wednesday, 94, and back down to the upper 80s on Thursday. So the hot weather streak is not over yet, but we do have an opportunity to enjoy a few days reprieve before we return to the 90s on Monday next week. So keep that in mind. Well, as we mentioned, um, yeah, James? I'd say it's currently 91. Not, it, we exceeded. I thought this was only supposed to be in the 80s. I thought we were going to have a cooler day. I'm so disappointed. Yeah, it sounds like we'll get one tomorrow. Well, it sounded like we were getting one today. I don't yeah, believe that's anyone now. That's a lot now. of it. No, I don't either. But, I mean, that's a significant drop to be wrong about. Yeah, that is. But we'll see. Wow, 91. That is surprising. And it feels like 91, which is nice for a change because it's been so muggy lately. That's the worst part of this This uh heat wave, which is kind of a little muggy and humid. Yeah, although every evening this summer... Um, I finally finished some areas in my backyard. My mother and I will go out. I have to water things, especially things that are in pots or hanging. So she will come out with me. It starts to get dark and we have, you know, some lights on, string of lights. And it's just a pleasant evening to spend. It's cooled down a little bit. And sometimes we have the tiki torches uh, flaming and she and I have an opportunity to talk. That's been probably the most pleasant part of summer so far. So the hot weather has meant we'd have to go out later. So it's dark and it's been kind of fun. I can't complain too much. No. I could, and I probably will, but I shouldn't. Let's put it that way. It would be completely unacceptable on your part. 
Yes, it would. Speaking of mom, a frustrated mom from New York won't be making a toast with Canada Dry anytime soon, seeing as she has decided she's suing Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. I didn't know that's who made um, Canada Dry. Anyway, Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, Inc., for an alleged lack of ginger in her ginger ale soda. Now, in July, Julie Fletcher filed a federal lawsuit in Buffalo claiming that the brand's allegedly false advertising caused her economic harm and that she was misled about the health benefits of the drink. Did you think there were health benefits to drinking Canada Dry ginger ale? Not who, particularly. Who thinks no. that? No. Anyway, she says in addition to damages, she also is uh, seeking to open the case to others as a class action lawsuit. Fletcher takes issue with the Canada Dry packaging and marketing materials. They advertise that the drink is made from real ginger, but says in her lawsuit that the product only contains a minuscule amount of ginger extract, which, of course, comes from real ginger. For uh, context, uh, Fortune notes that uh, Canada Dry is comprised of carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, citric acid, sodium benzoate, natural flavors, and caramel colors. Somewhere in there, there apparently is ginger extract. Ms. Fletcher believed this meant that Canada Dry was made using ginger root and was, as a result, a healthier alternative to regular sodas, her lawyer said um, of the lawsuit. Ms. Fletcher knew that ginger root uh, can calm an upset stomach, and she purchased Canada Dry when her children were sick, believing that the ginger root in the beverage would soothe their stomach aches. Her suit claims that Canada Dry began highlighting that the drink was made with real ginger around 2007. Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. Now you try saying that. Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. Uh, Inc., by the way. Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. <laughs> okay. Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, Inc., uh, did not immediately return um, uh, calls for comment, as they were really quite put out. Well, the good news is you actually don't have to Dr. say. Dr. I mean, Pepper Snapple Group. Inc. Because that was the owners at the time. You technically don't have to say that anymore. They do have a new name. They were recently uh, purchased. By whom? Keurig. Really? They're not Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, Inc.? No, they're now Keurig Dr. Pepper. I kind of like Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, Inc. Now oh. that I've learned to say it. Yeah, no, it's Keurig Dr. Pepper. Always Sounds Dr. Sounds a bit Pepper. like calling Dr. Pepper. Calling Dr. Pepper. Yeah, kind of like Dr. on the pageant. Keurig Dr. Pepper. Please Dr. Pepper to- on 9-1. Exactly. <laughs> uh, McDonald's is known for its catchy slogan, I'm loving it. But one unhappy customer in suburban Chicago is not exactly loving the price of the so-called extra value meal. James Get Gerter, Gertie, or something like that, is uh, suing McDonald's restaurants in two Illinois counties. Two counties, mind you, claiming cheeseburger extra value meals are more expensive than when the items are purchased separately. He's done the math, ladies and gentlemen. Gertie said that purchasing the extra value meal of two cheeseburgers, medium fries, and a soft drink costs $5.90, which is 41 cents more than when the item, items rather are bought individually. The reason that I am doing this is not about the 41 cents, although it kind of is. Uh, it's because of the principle. A value meal is supposed to be a cheaper price. That's the whole point of a value meal. I believe in the principle of true advertising. If a company advertises ginger in their ginger ale, or for that matter, value in their value meal, well, they ought to live up to it. Uh, anyway, uh, Gertie is seeking class action status for consumers' fraud and deceptive practices. So if you didn't quite uh, weigh in on the ginger ale, here's another opportunity for you if you're trying to you know, get a little coin without having to work for it, which is not a great idea. 
So is this lawsuit worth it for the 41 cents? We'll have to wait and see. Might not be heard by a judge. They might just throw the whole thing out. We don't know. Or McDonald's might just change the pricing. Or they could settle out of court for 18 cents. (laughs) That's entirely true. Anyway, the moral of the story, do the math. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. We'll be back. I suppose we're back 24 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Liberty Coin and Currency. Who would have thunk it? And here we are. Uh, On Fun Fridays, we take a look at the lighter side of the news, stories we wouldn't typically cover during the rest of the week to take you into the weekend with perhaps just a little bit of a smile on your face, maybe even a chuckle. If we get a chuckle, then we really have exceeded expectations. Well, Reynolds Rapp is going to pay $10,000 for a chief grilling officer to travel and eat barbecue. I would have done it for five, but they're offering 10000 The image used on the homepage of the Reynolds Kitchen Advertising is the chef uh, for the chef grilling officer position is one in which a happy guy is wearing the chef's hat, sucking on a rib. Here's a job barbecue lovers might want to sink their teeth into. Reynolds Rapp announced its search for a chief grilling officer, the CGO, if you will, a temporary gig where one person spends two weeks eating barbecue around the United States. I wonder if they'd uh, consider hiring a pair. I think you and I could both pull this one off with uh, a plum. Uh, that lucky worker and a guest will receive a 10 th- and a guest. See, there you go. Will receive a $10,000 stipend plus prepaid travel and lodging. What did you do this summer? Well, I was the chief grilling officer for Reynolds Wrap. Hmm. During the two-week period, the chef, the chief grilling officer will visit U.S. cities known for barbecue, studying grilling techniques and capturing dishes to publish on the company's website and social media challenge, uh, channels. Uh, we're looking for a truly passionate grilling enthusiast to lead the way across the country and discover hidden grilling gems, says the uh, brand director uh, for Foil at Reynolds Consumer Products in a statement. Reynolds is accepting applications for the position on its website through the 13th of August. Now, here's a question I have for Reynolds. I don't know how much cooking you do at your house. Do you do some of it, James? Yes, I do. Uh, Reynolds wrap, tin foil or foil. I don't know which side is supposed to be in and which side is supposed to be out. Is it the dull side that's next to the food? Is it the shiny side that's supposed to be next to the food? I have never figured it out. I have scoured the packaging to try to determine how am I supposed to do this to best effect, and I have never been able to find the correct answer. In fact, if you are listening today and you know the answer, you're putting something in the oven. Do you put the dull side next to the food and the shiny side out, or is it the other way around? I have absolutely no idea. I've been cooking for decades. And if you have that answer, 503-786-9390. 503-786-9390. Give us a call and let, uh, let me know. This would solve a mystery that puzzles me um, several weeks in the course of a year. Reynolds wrap, or for that matter. Any. I just look like it, like a photo paper, you know, when you have glossy and matte and you just decide what you think looks best with the photograph. Well, that's yes, kind that's, of the, that's just the theory I go yeah, with. That's whatever true, looks best with the, the cooking. It has the two different sides for a reason. I mean, it's shiny on one side for a reason, and I'm not sure what that is. I would tend to think 
the dull side goes on the inside close to the food, the shiny on the outside, but I'm not sure. So if you know the answer, give us a call. 503-786-9390. By the way, did you happen to know that today is National S'mores Day? National S'mores Day. And uh, that means that people all over the globe, well, all over the country anyway, hence national, will be um, feasting on s'mores. Now, no other dessert quite represents summer like s'mores. Can I can I confide in you for just a moment? Don't tell anyone because well, I don't want okay, this to get around. Ahead. I don't really like s'mores. I you love, made me eat one. I Well, that's you. Uh, I like toasted marshmallows. I like chocolate under the right circumstances with a glass of milk. I like graham crackers. The three together... This doesn't do it for me. No, it didn't do it for me either. But this is National S'mores Day. Uh, Best consumed outdoors around a campfire. And I think you do anything around a campfire, it helps because it's got sand and dirt in it. And, you know, there's nothing else to eat. It makes it a little bit more fun. But these tasty treats are the perfect snack to enjoy on a warm day around a campfire. No, those two don't go together. Anyway, while traditional s'mores feature a layer of chocolate and roasted marshmallows sandwiched between two graham crackers, there are plenty of other uh, delicious ways to enjoy a s'more, and I'm, I'm going to try some other things. Let's see. The National S'mores Day, uh, try one of these. Um, you have the marshmallow, you have the graham cracker, you have a Reese's peanut butter cup. What do you think? Oh, oh, oh. That's still probably as dry as... Okay, here's another one. A Nutella s'more. You've got the graham cracker, you've got the marshmallow... You smear Nutella on one side of the uh, graham cracker, you got a s'more. Okay, maybe not. Uh, what about um, s'mores ice cream? You can pretty much picture what you would do with that. Eat nah, it. Wouldn't be quite as dry. Uh, what about the ooey gooey s'mores cookie? Again, to the cookie dough, you add the chocolate, the marshmallow, and the uh, graham cracker. Um, Nutella s'mores cupcakes. Again, this is National S'mores Day. Um, S'mores bars. Again, you can imagine how that would be put together. And then there's the fruity coconut s'mores. Now, that doesn't really sound so good. Anyway, the whole thing started with the Girl Scouts many, many years ago. I can't remember if it's the 20s or the um, or the 40s, but many, many years ago, it was the Girl Scouts who came up with this concept. And s'mores are actually... Uh, represent, as one would expect, some more. You have it and you want some more. And that's uh, started way, way back, decades ago. We think it's, you know, contemporary, but it's been around for a very long time. You and I will probably not have a s'more this evening in honor of National S'more Day. But um, that's what today is, among other things. It also happens to be Friday. And we're having a bit of fun. So stay with us. We need to take a quick break, but I promise you, I promise you, We will be back. We're back. You're listening. (laughs) You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Hey, a couple of things uh, you need to know. Dairy Queen. Susie, our uh, receptionist in the front, she's more than a receptionist, but that's just one word to describe what she does. But she does a whole lot more than that. But anyway, Susie said that Dairy Queen has s'more blizzards. So if you're looking for a way to express yourself, 
during this season of National S'mores Day. That might be a consideration for you, (laughs) that you would purchase a s'more from one of the local proprietors selling ice cream with the ingredients of s'mores spread throughout. So Not very melty, though. Not very melty. Oh, no. And the marshmallows aren't toasted, which... No, you would think not. No. Yeah, you're right. It was a bad idea. That's Susie. What is she talking about? I can't about? believe she came up with that. <laughs> She's she so needs cute. to stay out of the studio Anything from now on. she comes on. up with, I think, is worth considering. <laughs> uh, also, you had an answer on the tin foil. Well, you remember how I joked that uh, you know, it's kind of like matte and, and glossy, that it just doesn't matter and it goes with whatever your mood? Yeah. That's actually kind of true. Seriously? There is no difference, and it's the foil manufacturing process that causes one side to be shiny and the other not. It makes no difference, according to the folks at Reynolds. Mystery solved. I had assumed that it was matte on one side and shiny on the other Believe for a reason. Me, I, there have been many discussions in my house over the years. Do I need to put the shiny side inside or outside? You know, I think we have solved a, solved a conundrum that many, many people throughout the land have wrestled with for generations. You know, it's one of those things that I feel like, uh, you know, we have the opportunity here, especially, uh, you know, here at the station to... to Affect people's lives. Broadcast in the public interest. Broadcast in the public interest. And I feel like we will never truly know the impact that these last two minutes have had on our listenership. I I don't think... Can you see that? There's just a little tear in my eye. Do do you you see it? It's glistening. It's glistening. You see it? I do. I do. Wait, wait. It's it's starting to roll down my cheek. Oh, my goodness. Broadcasting in the public interest. It's really a moving moving We've redefined broadcasting in the public interest. Well, I see an award in our future. I think so, too. I don't want to be boastful, but I see an award. And uh, later in the show, we'll give you a list of people you can write to to get us those awards. I see in our future, you and I going to a trophy store and buying something. Probably. Having it engraved and presenting it to one another. That's about the only award we're going to get. Still (laughs) counts. Created in 1908, Hydrox was the original uh, chocolate sandwich cookie, but it was Oreo which first went on sale four years later in 1912 that ended up dominating the market. Well, in the decades since, Hydrox has been something of a cult favorite compared to its younger, more recognizable competitor. A battle for biscuit supremacy, that's what they call it, a cookie, a biscuit, um, that took a dark turn this week with an accusation of cookie Cookies, plural rather, being hidden on shelves. Ladies and gentlemen, you think what goes on in Washington is disturbing. Wait till you hear this. On Monday, Hydrox announced on Facebook that it had filed an official complaint with the FTC accusing Mondelez, the owner of Oreo, of making Hydrox cookies harder to find in stores. There you have it. I need to pause because I think people are so shocked. I can hear the (gasps) all over the the, uh, countryside. According to Hydrox, a buyer for one of the largest store chains in the United States warned them that Mondelez, again, the owner of Oreo, is going to hide your cookies all over our stores to make sure you don't get any sales in hopes of being discontinued. The, The level of scandal that I have just exposed here. It's just shocking. Fears of discontinuation loom large in the minds of uh, Hydrox lovers. After a less than successful effort to rebrand the cookies as Droxies, the product was removed from the market entirely by owner Kellogg's in 2003 before being relaunched by Leaf Brands in 2015. As proof of Mr. Mondelez's alleged malfeasance, Hydrox posted pictures showing their cookies obscured behind other products, moved onto shelves outside customers' direct line of sight and more. 
Hydrox claims that in some cases its shelf space was taken by another flavor of Oreo or nut butters. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, is there hope for the republic moving forward? Well, Hydrox thinks that Menendez, Mandelez, Mandela, I don't know what his name is, but you get the idea. Use of direct store distribution, where the Oreo maker restocks the product instead of grocery stores themselves, allows its delivery personnel to move competing Hydrox cookies to less desirable locations. It's part of a much larger conspiracy I see congressional investigation in the offing. In response to Hydrox's Facebook post, a few users posted comments supporting the allegations, with one person claiming that an employee at their local grocery store said the Oreo folks threatened to cut back on their deliveries if Hydrox wasn't dropped. The plot thickens. When we reached out to Melendez, Melendez, molecular sign, I don't know what his name is, for comment, a company spokesman told the Gizmodo which is something else. Uh, Melendez is confident that this accusation has no merit. The Oreo brand is an iconic one with a proud and rich history of delivering great tasting products and exciting innovations to our consumers and overdoing it. I mean, how many more flavors of Oreos do we need? But I digress. Anyway, for more than a century, we've been around, he says. This focus and our commitment to operating with integrity has made Oreo America's favorite cookie, end quote. Well, as fans of cookies of all shapes and types, we hope that Hydrox and Oreo can settle their differences and go back to selling sugary treats based on each cookie's individual merits. Diversity, isn't that the word we're all supposed to be using? And if one brand ends up prevailing, maybe that's just the way the cookie crumbles. <sighs> anyway. It's a, it's a scandal. Have you had a Hydroxy? Do you know what, what they are? I'm not hearing you. Are you talking? Ah, there we go. Yeah. Sorry about that. that Lips were moving. No sound. Lips were moving. No sound. Uh, that's that's <laughs> kind of how. You that's know. how I prefer it, but maybe not. I, exactly. Um, th- it actually gets a little deeper. And uh, what? Yeah, there seems to be an issue, and this is uh, this is looking at social media here. Um, basically, it sounds like uh, they went to stock. Um, their uh, you know, stock Amazon. Yeah. And Amazon lost all their Hydrox. Mm-hmm. And you cannot order it currently. That's what they'd like you to think. So this is getting a little bit weirder, to Mr. be perfectly Malfeasance, honest. Mr. Mandela Microsoft, whatever his name is, he's behind this whole thing. I'm certain of it. I will say, looking at the package, maybe when they brought it back to market, maybe a different color blue. It's just a little close to the same color as the Oreo package. Yeah, I don't know what's behind it all, but... Uh, Something is up in the world of cookies, clearly. Yeah. And we need to follow and this with attention. we will follow this story wherever it leads us. Yes, we will. By the way, pumpkin spice lattes reportedly returning to Starbucks on August the 28th. In fact, the ingredient, the main ingredient, that syrupy stuff, has been spotted on the shelves of Starbucks around the countryside, which means not just that, okay, Starbucks is going to have... Pumpkin spice lattes, but everything on the planet is going to have a tinge of pumpkin spice latte. Canada Dry ginger ale with pumpkin spice. I'm telling you, it's going to be everywhere. New shampoos, now with pumpkin spice. How about Hydrox with pumpkin spice? Pumpkin spice? I wouldn't be at all surprised. No, no. Of course, you wouldn't be able to find it anywhere, but, uh, you know. Dove Beauty Bars, now with pumpkin spice.
I'm telling you, it's going to be everywhere. Barbecue. Now with pumpkin spice. It's coming. Ladies and gentlemen, run for your lives. It's coming. When everybody talks about the zombie apocalypse and all that stuff, no, we, we, we have the pumpkin spice apocalypse, and it's happening. It's here. It's now. Run. <laughs> we'll be back. We're back 50 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. A couple things I want to remind you of. Fish Fest, ladies and gentlemen, that is coming up on Saturday, August the 18th at the Riverfront Park in Salem. Now, I'm excited for a couple of reasons. For one thing, Fish Fest, it comes on August the 18th. It goes on August the 19th. And then I have, for at least a couple of months, I have James Blend, his full undivided attention. It only lasts for a day or two before he's on to the next thing. But anyway, that's coming up this year. Jeremy Camp, Danny Goki, Unspoken. You've got Tori Harper and Joss Wilson. And of course, comedian Dustin Nickerson is going to tie it all together throughout the day. That's Fish Fest 2018. You can still purchase your pickets. Uh, it's presented by Lazy Boy Furniture, uh, sponsored by Compassion International, Pietro's Pizza, and For the King Apparel. Get your tickets at fishfest.pdx or fishfestpdx. Dot com. Did I get that right, James? Fishfestpdx.com. Uh, I don't know. PDX, I have to double check up here. I know fishfestportland.com works. Well, that's what I have here. I've uh, got right. it in writing. Yeah, so let me double check right. and make sure because okay. I want to make sure everybody can get their tickets. Absolutely. You can also go to kpdq.com, yeah, of which course, I would I also highly I was, recommend. I had find, found the balance. I thought I was able to ignore you equally. Um, you know, all year round. Uh, yes, they both work, so we're fine. Okay, all right. Also, you have until, um, or rather, through August the 14th to per- purchase your singing Christmas tree tickets. I can say this. With a $5 discount on every ticket you purchase. Any performance, any seat, $5 off. And when Wes Walterman was with us, I think it was earlier this week, he mentioned that they have made a concerted effort to reduce the price of tickets overall. So in addition to that, you have an opportunity through the 14th of August uh, to enjoy $5 off each ticket, any performance, any seat as well. By the way, those performances begin on November the 23rd through the 25th. Then there's a couple day break. And then it, uh, the tree resumes the 29th and 30th of November, December 1st and 2nd. So check that out. You can call 503-557-8733 to purchase your tickets at the ticket's office. That's 503-557-8733. Or you can go to the uh, website singingchristmastree.org. All right, there you have it. You are now without excuse. Well, one Facebook user's idea of a great family activity is going viral for its sheer absurdity. No big surprise there. A Facebook Marketplace user named Maggie from um, Metairie was allegedly hoping to sell raw chicken teddy bears via the Internet up until just a few days ago, according to The Takeout. Now, she actually posted pictures of the raw chicken teddy bears. They're not particularly cute. They're not particularly cuddly. They don't have fur. They do have an occasional chicken hair here and there. But if you're interested in a chicken teddy bear, this is the place to go. Uh, Her posting has since been removed. 
What explanation is behind that? Maybe she was a conservative. Who knows? But whether this is because the chicken bears had sold out or because they had been reported or because the whole thing was a joke is unknown. One would hope that the latter is the case. Well, her advertisement says that she has plenty of extra parts and can make two bears, presumably from just one chicken. Horrified users on Twitter expressed their dismay at the product after the ad was posted by a best of next door. Hmm. One uh, writer said, I shouldn't have looked before going to bed. <laughs> this kind of creeps you out. Uh, she used the opportunity to call this business Buffalo Bill Build a Bear. Buffalo Build a Bear. Someone please find her and recommend um, she stop. Anyway, she missed the opportunity to call the business Buffalo Build a Bear. You can't apparently find it now, but you can find images of it if you look hard enough. I would have called it Winnie Flew the Coop. (laughs) Well, there you go. Buffalo Build a Bear or Winnie Flew the Coop. Very clever. An Ohio judge ordered a defendant's mouth taped shut during the sentencing of um, the man. He failed to heed repeated warnings to stop talking. The defendant, Franklin Williams, was seen in court with red tape over his mouth after the county judge got fed up with the 32-year-old's interruptions. Williams, who was convicted in December of aggravated robbery, kidnapping, theft, misuse of credit cards, and having weapons under a disability, refused to stop talking and kept interrupting his attorneys for about 30 minutes during his sentencing. Now, the trial was over. This is just during the sentencing. There was no jury to be influenced. Well, the judge ordered six deputies to tape Mr. Williams' mouth, but even then, Williams continued chiming in. He was eventually sentenced to 24 years in prison. The convicted felon previously attempted to evade his trial with the, uh, rather, when he cut his ankle bracelet during the house arrest and fled to Nebraska. He claimed he had no recollection of the escape because he'd been hit over the head. Prosecutors, however, had cell phone records as proof that Williams was not being honest. Felon convicted of aggravated robbery, kidnapping, theft, misuse of credit cards, and having weapons under a disability. Not being honest? Hmm. Police in Indiana believe a pet pig might have thwarted would-be robbers from burglarizing a home in Indianapolis. The thieves broke into the home this week and completely damaged the back door. The homeowner, who wished to remain anonymous, said... Whoever broke in, however, didn't steal anything. The police apparently suggested the family's pet pig named Dumplin' is to blame. The officers were uh, guessing when the person broke in, they were probably surprised um, that there was a pig. Uh, We don't want to uh, deal with this, they probably thought. The single mother of four predicted. The um, uh, police officer was um, definitely... Uh, convinced that Dumplin' was, in fact, uh, responsible for the interruption of the crime. The woman told the news station she adopted Dumplin' from a rescue last year, calling him the perfect animal. The moment I saw him, I knew he loved me instantly. How can you tell that? I I don't know. Anyway, she um, encouraged others to adopt the tons of pigs in shelters that don't have homes. The neighborhood the woman lives in, which she moved into just weeks ago, is not new to break-ins. Anyone with uh, information with regard to this incident was encouraged to um, come forward. But uh, in the event that they don't, Dumplin' is on watch. And officials in Moscow say a U.S. citizen has been detained there in Russia. 
in the Far East after accidentally sailing there from Alaska on a small boat. John Martin had been traveling down the Yukon River across Alaska on a one-person boat when he ended up in the open Bering Sea. That's according to Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova. Um, she spent several days at sea in bad, or rather he spent several days at sea in bad weather and eventually washed up on Russian shores. He lives in Anchorage, was detained on Thursday by Russian officials in the far eastern region of Chukotka. Uh, the U.S. consulate in Vladivostok uh, was informed about the incident. Uh, the spokesperson said on Friday that in Moscow, the Martin's condition was satisfactory. It's not uh, clear if he has since been released. And I want to apologize to my Russian listeners. I studied the language for several years and I have completely fallen in my ability to see a word and hear the Russian sound of it and do it correctly. So I apologize for um, misusing my former skill and butchering your language. Anyway, 58 minutes after 4 o'clock, we've got news and traffic. That's coming up next here on the program. Then we'll be back continuing our fun Friday traditions. I hope you'll join us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. No, no, no. Please be seated. Please be seated. Okay. You're listening to the second. By the way, James is the one responsible for that. I don't have the capacity to do it. And he does it to embarrass me, I suspect. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend, sadly, is engineering and producing today's program and creating havoc wherever he can. But I'm glad he's here. Anyway. Um... We've been winding our way through. Okay, Let's agree not to do that again. Thank you. Uh, We've been winding our way through some of the lighthearted news that we don't cover uh, Monday through Thursday and uh, try to take a look at the lighter side of the news on Friday. Um, A mysterious foul odor has won Utah City telling residents if you smell something, say something. Residents have uh, complained of a smell spreading across West Valley City, and city officials are trying to pinpoint where the odor is coming from. It's kind of a sewer-type smell, says the communications director, Sam Johnson. Um, It's just a musty sewer smell that is very noticeable and very unpleasant that um, you can smell in certain parts of the city stronger than in other parts. But it even comes down here to City Hall. He says, well, West Valley City has been uh, plagued by the smell for years, according to the uh, station. The city launched a campaign urging residents to call city leaders so they can document complaints. Uh, Johnson said the culprit could be a waste processor located outside of the city by a landfill and a warm summer breeze could filter the smell into nearby neighborhoods. Smells where they had um, uh, to go inside, uh, shut their windows are fairly common things that are concerning to their kids. Uh, The odor has residents perplexed. Sometimes when you're walking by, it's like death, says one resident. Uh, You're like, now, are you 
this or are you like that? The overuse of like is somewhat confusing. Anyway, what the um, uh, what the is this smell? You're looking around thinking um, maybe you've stepped in something or an animal is dying. Well, Johnson hopes more complaints will convince the uh, Salt Lake County and Utah Department of Environmental Quality to do something about it. At this point, they just have to verify that, yeah, it's a real issue and real people are complaining. Well, a driver in Canada apparently was fired after a video of them swerving a company truck to seemingly splash pedestrians with puddle water was posted online. Now, that's just mean. That's just a mean thing to do. Now, the dash cam footage posted on Friday last uh, shows a large Ford vehicle with a ladder and other items atop swerving all over the lane in Ottawa, driving toward puddles and splashing those walking past, and only driving toward puddles when there are those walking past. The company's name, Black & McDonald Limited, is seen displayed on the truck as the driver moves past the car filming the scene. Well, Black & McDonald Limited, a multi-trade prime contractor, took to Facebook to apologize for the driver's actions, which they labeled as unacceptable driving. Uh, We want to reassure the public that safety is our number one concern. This is an isolated incident, and the individual is no longer employed with Black and McDonald. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, do you really want to do it in a company vehicle that can be identified and your shift and you being the driver can be easily linked? Not that I'm suggesting you be more clever and continue in criminal behavior. I'm just suggesting that people who engage in criminal behavior are not always the brightest uh, color in the crayon box. Sergeant... Mark Gatan of the uh, Ottawa Police Service tweeted that authorities saw the video. He thanked the company for their quick and decisive action and also thanked the patrol officer who assisted in the outcome. So apparently it's been resolved. Well, a youngster behind the wheel of a red toy car was reportedly able to use his cuteness to his advantage on Tuesday by getting out of a fake ticket with the Massachusetts police officer. One-year-old Grayson Salermo was cruising in his toy Mercedes convertible. Wow, he's a kid with a Mercedes convertible. When a police officer uh, pretended to pull him over, according to the Associated Press, Salermo's mom, the little boy, Corey, uh, said that they were in the area for a family get-together and ran into the officer who they knew. Uh, Corey said her sister-in-law came up uh, with a photo op idea well, it's a little remote control car, so we just drove him out of the uh, on the sidewalk. And her husband uh, said he pretended to give her a ticket. Give him, a, okay, now I'm confused. Who gave the ticket and who's the officer and who's the mom? Anyway, the kid got the ticket, uh, but the police officer said, oh, he was just so cute and sweet. He pulled his cruiser behind the toddler, turned on his flashing blue lights, and pretended to write a ticket. During the staged incident, the tot was also reportedly sporting a T-shirt that said, I have literally no idea what you are saying. The officer said that the uh, child could remain cute rather than quiet. Uh, It was an oops that wasn't easy to fix. Uh, The yield sign painted on Wall Street in Gardner, Massachusetts, made drivers just do just that. But for the wrong reason, it was spelled Y-E-I-L-D. The Department of Public Works uh, corrected the misspelling overnight on Monday into Tuesday. The workers there have received a number of jabs, some of which were extremely rude. But they've responded on Facebook, we are not perfect. And you must yield however it's spelled. Well, a small fly single-handedly ruined a domino world record attempt. 
A German domino entertainment group attempted to break their own record from 2013 on the Guinness Book of uh, World Records and recruited 22 people to fit 596,229 mini dominoes with tweezers. But a fly landed on the one tiny tile that triggered a chain reaction before they had completed the setup. Patrick Sinner of Sinner's Domino Entertainment told the local newspaper the fly triggered the chain reaction permanent or prematurely. I can read, I promise. There was no time to set up the little tiles again. The tiles were no bigger than a fingernail and took two weeks to set up. Two weeks work. One fly lands on a domino and it's over. However, they managed to break four other world records, including the longest domino chain reaction, which took 15 minutes to complete. A fly landed on one of the tiles and triggered them to fall prematurely. They also broke the record for the other thing. However, the world record remains at 573,938 fallen tiles. The attempt took place on the 10th domino day of 3 August in Nida, near Frankfurt. Well, I'm sure they'll try, try again. Oh, did you hear about this uh, story from Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue? It's such a sad thing, but it's a cautionary tale. A man who attempted to eradicate a yellow jacket nest ignited a mix of gasoline and oil. He started a brush fire that burned nearly four acres in West Lynn on Thursday. Now, I can't imagine thinking that in this hot weather, combining gasoline and oil for that. I mean, you pour it into the hole, I think, and you try to ignite the hole and you assume it's going to stay in that limited area, but there's so much dry stuff around. It just didn't work that way. Several 911 callers reported a large column of smoke along Southwest Schaefer Road just before noon. Again, this was a couple of days ago. Tualatin Valley fire and rescue crews arrived and quickly extinguished the fire while also dealing with the wasps. The man who started the fire told firefighters that shortly after he lit his flammable concoction, the wind quickly spread the fire and he couldn't contain it, which is why you probably shouldn't even make the effort. Because of the nature of our work, we uniquely understand the incredible speed at which fire can spread, but I believe most people are unaware of the potential destruction fire can cause. That's what the Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue Fire Marshal Steve Forrester said. When dry vegetation, low humidity, hot temperatures are added to the mix, We have conditions for extreme fire behavior. This can cause a small spark to become a big problem. So again, a cautionary tale, four acres uh, burned. I'm not sure if any structures were a part of that, um, but we're glad uh, and grateful for the Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue and all firefighters, for that matter, who come to our aid when we make decisions that are less than, well, wise. We'll just put it that way. I think in those scenarios, uh, call the exterminator. Yeah, I, I think let, so. Let, let, let the exterminator handle it. And yeah, it's going to cost more than on the surface setting the thing on fire will. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, my, my guess is the damage far exceeds yeah. in cost. What, and uh, the firefighters yeah. still had to deal with the uh, with the wasps. So there you go. Yeah, it didn't even work. Well, the RNC-DNC softball game was an annual tradition and a time to put aside politics It's a shame, though, that uh, the Democrats have refused to participate this year, according to RNC spokeswoman Ronna McDaniel. Now, this was one opportunity for lawmakers to be nonpolitical and to just have fun. Now, granted, last year, the Republican lawmaker was shot and others were the target during one of their practices. So this isn't altogether 
uh, surprising, but the Democratic National Committee has refused to play the Republican National Committee at their annual softball game this year. One wonders if they'll ever resume that face-off uh, in the future. Well, sources at the RNC told the Daily Caller that they were stunned when Democrats pulled out of the typically good-natured game between leadership staff that had gone on for the last decade. So, I mean, it's not a decades-long tradition, but it has gone on for 10 years. The source said that the DNC informed them that all our players are out in the field this year, uh, which is why they wouldn't be able to play. Now, on the field might be their campaigning because this is a midterm election year and it's really less than 90 days away, although that's been the case every year. But the DNC didn't immediately respond to requests for further comment. Last year, the team took a photo together where McDaniel and DNC chairman Tom Perez stood beside each other. That may be a priceless photo moving forward. Last year, the teams uh, took the picture. Uh, last year, we had a lawmaker who was also gunned down. In the past, the teams would engage in lighthearted bets. In 2014, Sean Spicer and former DNC spokesperson Mo uh, Elethy, uh, they made a bet that Elethy would shave his head if the DNC lost and Spicer would uh, switch the RNC Twitter profile photo to the DNC logo if the RNC lost. You know, good lighthearted Exchange. The annual game often would end with uh, all the players uh, getting together for beverages at a nearby establishment, despite working for opposing political organizations. But we are so polarized right now, apparently that's not even possible. Kind of a sad loss. Civility used to be a wonderful thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show about 17 minutes after 5 o'clock. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. I, I think we've accomplished, at least in part, our goal for the day, James Blend, in making this a fun Friday. I feel funified. Really? And really, the, the whole show is based on how you feel, so it's so good to hear that. I, I am the, the litmus test of Friday fun. I've known this for many years. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't we be in a sad state if that were the case? Well, a homeowner in Australia captured an unwanted surprise on camera, a nearly 10-foot-long python slithering its way up the side of his home. By the way, there were pictures with this story. 10-foot-long python slithering up the side of its home. Think about that for a minute. 10-foot-long python slithering its way up the side of his home. Now, if a, ah! win- if a window is open, if someone's... You know, sunning on the roof. You, you just have no idea. Robbie Nill spotted the serpent as he was hanging laundry outside his home. Now, I'd be a little bit relieved that it's on the side of the house rather than the backyard where I'm hanging laundry. But he said, I'm glad it was uh, me hanging out the washing because my wife would probably never do it again if it had been her. Um, he added that uh, he didn't know uh, they could climb houses like that. Well, I don't think most of us did. That said, this isn't the first time that Neil has uh, spotted the python, apparently the same python. The Gold Coast man said that uh, the snake has lived on the roof of his backyard shed for roughly six months. He just hangs out. He comes out and he sees me when I'm working in the shed, he said. I don't trouble him. He doesn't trouble me. 
Separately, uh, people in London were shocked to see the large boa constrictor wrapping itself around what was likely a dead pigeon over the weekend. Uh, A local resident began recording the shocking video as the bird was um, nearly halfway down the serpent's throat. I'm not sure I'd want images of that, but you get the idea. Climbing up the side of someone's home in Australia. Apparently, they've decided that they're going to cohabitate and live peacefully side by side. Yeah, a friend of mine recently who lives in Sarasota, Florida, posted a picture of a uh, snake they found uh, going out to their garage one morning up against the door. Yeah, it, it was a coral snake. Oh, no. And it's like, uh, with the, it, the caption was, it's time to burn down the house. <laughs> Hopefully he didn't mean that, and they all survived. Yeah, no, no, there, there, there's been no, uh, no talk of relocation. So. The truth is, it could be worse. Listen to this: a woman got the fright of her life when she woke up to find a three-foot snake snuggled up next to her in bed. Oh, yeah, the royal python, believed to be an escaped pet. What is it with the escaped pets? Had curled up next to her as she slept. After jumping out of the bed, she rushed out of her bedroom. She closed the door before calling RSPCA for help on Monday morning. However, by the time the charity animal collection officer had arrived at the flat in Kensington, West London, by the way, the snake had slithered away and could not be found, which is probably the scariest outcome of all, because you don't know where the thing is and if it plans on returning. Uh, They jumped out of bed. They closed their bedroom door to contain the snake. But when uh, I arrived, said the animal... um, Protection Agency, the thing was gone. We never saw it again. Well, the python was eventually caught by Miss uh, Sanders in a corridor and following the following evening when she uh, was uh, called back to the flat. The RSPCA does not know how it got inside the property, but believes it must have escaped from an owner's nearby. The animal welfare uh, charity said it collects more snakes in the summer as they have more energy in the warm weather and are good escape artists. So if you happen to have a pet snake they are really good escape artists. Please plan accordingly. And, and as cute as they may sound, no pet rattlers. Yeah, no. A cat seeking refuge from a raging Northern California wildfire found a fine feathered friend as it waited rescue from the heat and the flames on a porch. The two friends waited it out. The Grass Valley Fire Department said that a cat and a chicken it rescued over the weekend were recovering from burns with the help of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. The feline and the hen were found uh, Saturday huddling together on the front porch of a home in Reading during the firefighters' patrol through a fire-damaged neighborhood. The unlikely duo made it safely to, uh, uh, to... Safety, rather, by hiding in the same crate. The animals are expected to fully recover from their burn wounds while in custody with the SPCA. The fire in and around Reading has claimed six lives, including two firefighters, and destroyed more than a thousand homes. Uh, But these two managed to escape all of that. A Northern Carolina man found a heap of newspapers in his backyard thanks to some mischievous foxes. Earlier this month, James Eubanks woke up to find a slew of new pa- newspapers rather in his backyard. Uh, though baffled, he removed the papers and didn't think much more of it. But then it happened again. The following day, Eubanks said that he found roughly nine yellow page phone books, all um, that point uh, the Wisconsin-Salem man decided uh, to set up a night vision camera to catch the culprit. So at that point, that's what he decided. Footage captured by the homeowner shows a group of foxes carrying the newspapers from his neighbor's yard to his. 
It clearly shows him uh, with newspapers referring to the fox. I had no idea we were going to find foxes, he told a news station after calling authorities. Mr. Eubank said that he thinks there are roughly three foxes that are stealing the papers. Without the picture, no one would have believed it. I assure you, he said. Well, the foxes uh, have been taking neighbors' newspapers and placing them in the man's backyard. What to do about it is a whole nother question. We don't have that side yet of the story. Meanwhile, a suburban Detroit man who found himself facing fines after a wild turkey moved into his overgrown backyard has made friends with the massive bird. Garden City bans residents from keeping wild animals as pets. Now, the thing wandered onto his property of its own volition and is not uh, confined there by the homeowner. But the city fined Mr. Johnston $100 for harboring the turkey and another $100 for dumping brush at his uh, curb after he cleaned up his backyard in an effort to get the 30-pound turkey to leave. The Detroit News reports that the city eventually dismissed the turkey ticket since Johnson wasn't keeping the animal as a pet. Johnson is still fighting the other one. Meanwhile, the turkey remains in Johnston's yard. He says as far as he's concerned, the bird could stay as long as he wants. State officials say wild animals can only be moved if they're a nuisance or a threat. So they fined him for having one um, and did finally refund that $100. Uh, but they refused to move it because, well, he's not a nuisance. Or a threat. Sort of a catch-22 for the side of cranberry sauce. A man in Jacksonville, Florida, brandishing a live gator, chased people in a convenience store where he was purchasing beverages, according to a video taken by a stranger. The man who identif- whose uh, identity uh, was not confirmed at the time uh, the story first broke walked into the store holding the gator with his right hand. The animal's mouth appeared to be taped shut, and um, he ended up chasing the clerk around the store. You ain't out of adult beverages, are you? The man is uh, asked while he's walking toward the front counter. Um, anyway, moments later, the man with the gator jokingly ran at the other man as people in the store laughed. He then grabbed a 12-pack of his favorite beverage. <clears throat> Florida wildlife officials are investigating the incident. The video was also shared by the Jacksonville man named Robbie Stratton, who would not confirm if he was the same person who carried the gator in the video. Now, the rest of the story is apparently the gentleman, if you will, in quotes, was intoxicated at the time and has Never no recollection. Guessed. Yeah, had no recollection of the uh, incident, except that there was video confirming what he had actually done. And by the way, he ended up chasing the man around the store who was quite frightened by the whole thing. And while others were standing by laughing, it was no laughing matter to the person who was the uh, subject of this whole thing. Ah. Vermont's capital city is trying a natural way to get rid of poison ivy, grazing goats who apparently don't mind. Well, on Wednesday, three goats munched on the plants along the small city's uh, bike path behind the high school and near a river. The goat uh, grazed on the poison ivy, causing stress to the plants uh, so that they retreat. And the goat owner says that... um, uh, it doesn't bother the goats. It's expected to take several years of clinical uh, um, grazing to eradicate the poison ivy, says the owner. Well, the goat named Ruth Bader Ginsburg, rather goats, there are three of them, Ruth Bader and Ginsburg, got their start. Uh, Herbert brought the six-month-old Kiko goats uh, in her Subaru and enclosed them in a fence where they grazed 
While an occasional bicyclist passed by, the poison ivy doesn't harm them, as I mentioned. The city has tried to eradicate the poison ivy, but has been unable to do so using organic treatments. Well, the poison ivy has been so bad this year that the city posted signs warning bikers and walkers about it. The city didn't want to ramp up the chemical treatments for many reasons, including the fact that the path runs next to a river and young children and dogs might get over the... uh, into the undergrowth. They wondered if goats would work and contacted the University of Vermont Extension Center. I love that we've um, gone back to the old-fashioned solution, a shepherd and her goats, uh, to our modern-day problems, says one of the spokespersons from the University of Vermont Extension Center. Kind of almost, almost like the ridiculousness that happened in Boise last week. Yes, where they just got loose. They, they got loose, 100 professional goats <laughs> and, who came through and seemingly overtook a, uh, yeah, a neighborhood, neighborhood what seemed like the goat uprising. So what what does it take to be a professional goat? I mean, the credential? Do they have degrees? What is it that uh, is required? I, 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 want to, I, I mean, I presume, obviously, once you go pro, you can't uh, compete in the Olympics again. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't know. What is the threshold of, hey, mom, I'm good enough. I can be a professional goat. Yeah. I don't know. Your brother was just an amateur, and he was better than you. <laughs> We're going to take a quick a quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgie Rush Show. <laughs> We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, South Korea's prolonged heat wave is producing a number of unusual moments. I mention it because we've had a prolonged heat wave, and you might experience something similar, including a chick hatching out of an egg reportedly without a mother hen or brooder lamp, thanks to the blazing heat and continued tropical nights. Now, this could happen to you if you keep chickens in your yard. Well, the country has been enduring unusually scorching weather for weeks since early July. Daytime highs exceed 38 degrees Celsius. You can do the math. And other regions on Tuesday, while uh, the temperatures in one area in particular reached 40.3 degrees Celsius on the same day. Well, as of Wednesday morning, 14 people had died there due to the heat-related illness, while heat stress has killed at least 1.43 million livestock. More than 1,300 Koreans have been medically treated for health conditions caused by the hot weather as well, including heat stroke. But I digress. A series of rather unusual events have been attributed to the hot weather. In uh, one area in particular, a chick was hatched from a carton of eggs uh, that had been placed in an uh, uh, outdoor balcony for a few days, which is not where you'd want to keep a carton of eggs in that kind of uh, hot weather. According to the um, uh, individual, the resident of the apartment where it happened, who now owns the chick, the egg uh, from one of the chickens he raised in his backyard had never been brooded by the mother 
uh, or placed under a brooding lamp. The unusually warm weather basically did all the work. Experts say for an egg to develop normally, it has to be exposed for a considerable length of time to temperatures a few degrees below 40 degrees Celsius. Like many regions in Korea, uh, it's been gripped with a heat wave. It's days, um, daytime rather highs as I mentioned, reaching as high as 35 degrees Celsius for most of the last two weeks. So if you have uh, if you have eggs, you might want to just keep an eye open, make sure they're cool enough that they don't hatch on their own. Reminds me of a story, a, fo- a former co-worker of ours, uh, in their midst of their heat wave, uh, they decided to uh, bake cookies on their car's dashboard. This is a thing. You can do this. Yeah. I think it has to be over 95 degrees and... Uh, there's a whole methodology. You can look it up on the Googles. So do you have to flip them, though, like you would a pancake? No, it, it's you, you put them on a cookie sheet, and you just let them go for, I think it's like four to five hours, something like that. Um, and uh, they recommend that you don't open the car doors or anything like that so that the heat stays within it. Uh, they don't quite come out as a normal cookie would. There's not a lot of Christmas involved, but uh, they are edible. And if you like your cookies crisp or chewy, then that's the Yeah, that's, that's the uh, one way to do it if you have a lot of time <laughs> and uh, and you don't want to start that oven up. Well, there you go. Taking so, use well, of what's Got to make use of this heat wave. Already hot. Well, a bizarre video has gone viral claiming to show a 6-foot eerie faceless creature reportedly stalking a moose in the Canadian wilderness. Now again, in the age when you have the technology uh to take to pinpoint the position of an individual from a satellite you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away. You have cell phones that take pictures as good as, uh, you know, the old cameras that were pretty expensive uh, used to take. It's amazing to me that these videos somehow never turn out sufficiently that you can tell what you're actually looking at. But the video, which has been viewed by more than 30,000 people, or at least 30,000 times, which means it must be legitimate, was posted um, by... Uh, a person who was unable to explain the footage she herself took. She said, I was filming filming a moose on a roadside in Quebec, Canada. Uh, looking at the video, I saw this strange shape in the back left. Uh, can someone tell me what it is? Now, she didn't claim to know. It's unclear exactly what she captured on film, but some YouTube commenter, uh, commenters rather have likened it to Gollum, the fictional character in J.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings novels. Looks like Gollum, one commentator wrote, while another wrote, my precious <laughs> line that, of course, Gollum made famous in The Lord of the Rings. Others have even uh, more fun with the footage, with one commentator saying it is uh, the rake, a mythical creature that hurts animals without rhyme or reason. That looks like the uh, rake-type creature stalking that moose. It must be pretty tall, too, one commentator said. Well, the creature appears to uh, stand up on its hind legs, uh, though it's not clear how tall it is. The Sun um, newspaper called it six-foot-tall monstrosity. Well, it's really a very vague uh, shadow in the background. You can't tell what on earth it is or that it is anything at all. But it's uh, it's making its way through the Internet. And um, some are refer- referring to the thing as Gollum. Ooh. Wow. A man accused of stealing a shark from a Texas aquarium. Did you see this last week? Uh, but, said yes, he did, I did so yeah. in an attempt to save the creature. So it's swimming around. Care, uh, carefree in this aquarium, being well taken care of. And he was concerned, so he decided he was going to take the thing away. Well, CCTV footage shows a man lifting the 40, the 16-inch, 40-centimeter long uh, horn shark named Miss Helen from the petting tank uh, in the San Antonio Aquarium uh, before making off with her in a 
pushchair, as they say in the UK, was a stroller, we say here. Anthony Shannon, who is seen, has been charged rather with theft, claims he's an activist, not a criminal, and was compelled to liberate the sea creature. Now, you can be both an activist and a criminal, which apparently he um, would would, uh, qualify for both. He said he had fears her welfare was being endangered by inadequate tank conditions. But the 38-year-old now faces charges over stealing the fish and taking her to his home where he, uh, she was kept in a tank before being tracked down and returned to the aquarium by authorities. So apparently his home was a better place uh, for the creature than the aquarium. Miss Helen was reported to be uh, one of around 25 sharks being kept in large pools at Shannon's home, along with uh, an unknown number of crabs. The accused told a reporter that the theft was regretful, but suggested he could justify such behavior if it was an emergency for the sea creature concerned. I have a mission, he said. It's not a mission to steal for profit. It's a mission just to give the fish a better life. The police chief said that Shannon had a lot of different marine animals in his home and very much knew what he was doing. The staff at the aquarium denied acquisition that animals were kept in inadequate conditions and said extensive tests were carried out on the water every day. He claims uh, is that his claim is that they're sick and dying. We have thousands of animals and they are all healthy. However, Keeping them at his house in a tub, mm, not so sure whether or not that's the best arrangement. Well, veterinarians uh, in Virginia, I just want to give you a heads up for those of you who are dog lovers or warning pet owners to be on the lookout for a mysterious disease similar to whooping cough spreading among canines. This is in the Charlottesville area, but keep your eyes and ears open. The Autumn Trails Veterinary Center there uh, said that um, they're treating roughly 22 dogs for the unknown disease in the past week. Concerned, the veterinarian clinic uh, contacted other practices in the area to see if they noticed a similar trend. There is an epidemic underway there. Um, And it appears to be highly contagious with more than 150 cases seen in the community in the past month. Many dogs coming in with the disease, which can last for weeks as well, uh, are well vaccinated. Uh, Vets are running tests to determine what exactly the the disease is and how it can be treated. Symptoms of the unknown illness include coughing, sneezing, low-grade fevers, and lethargy, according to Autumn Trails. So this is in Charlottesville, but wanted to give you a heads up if you're Pet seems like he's uh, or she is not doing well. Well, there you have it. Imitation musicians are gathered, or rather did gather, it's been a week ago now, in New York City to strum invisible instruments at the Air Guitar National Championships. Yes, you heard me. These are grown men and women at the Air Guitar National Championships. The event, which was scheduled last Saturday night in Rough Trade, New York City, in in, uh, Brooklyn, features competitors pretending to play invisible guitars to songs of their choice in the first round. Top competitors making it to the second round were assigned a surprise song to perform, one they may not be as familiar with. Officials said judges are looking at technical merit, stage presence, and the ineffable quality of airness. Wow. The winner of Saturday's event uh, represent, will represent the United States at the 22nd annual international competition later this month in Finland. The international competition for uh, air guitarists. This is definitely a first world event. You got a lot of time on your hands to travel the world playing, well, essentially nothing. 
Well, the National Comedy Center, this might interest you, James, being something of a comedian yourself. The National Comedy Center is open for laughs in I Love Lucy, comedian Lucille Ball's hometown. The $50 million cultural institution is in the western New York City of Jamestown and tells the story of comedy from its origins to the present with a mix of interactive exhibits, a hologram theater and comedy artifacts such as the late George Carlin's archives. Governor Andrew Cuomo on Wednesday last helped cut the ribbon on the nonprofit center, which received $9 million in state funding. Amy Schumer, Louis Black, Dan Aykroyd were among comedians set to appear during that week's uh, grand opening celebrations. The center was inspired by Lucille Ball, who starred as accident-prone Lucy uh, Ricardo in the 1950s sitcom, still seen in her today. Jamestown has a museum dedicated to Ball, but... Uh, She said she wanted to see all comedy celebrated as an art form, and that's now being done in her hometown of Jamestown, New York. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment, so stay with us. We're back. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blind, engineering and producing today's program. As it should be. As it should be. Well, a life-size bronze statue of a red-haired, freckle-faced Archie is now getting visitors at a New Hampshire town in honor of the local man who drew the comic book character and his group of wholesome teenage friends. Still being produced. In fact, my mother, my 87-year-old mother, enjoys reading Archie, and uh, we see it in the grocery store, and she'll pick it up and enjoys reading it. Bob Montana illustrated Archie, Betty, Veronica, and Jughead. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. From 1942 until his death in 1975 at the age of 54, he lived for 35 years in Meredith, a town of about 6,000 residents, in the heart of the state's lake region. Well, the statue of Archie sitting on a park bench was uh, commemorated on Thursday in Meredith's community park to uh, coincide with the town's 250th anniversary. Montana brought the Archie Andrews character to life when he drew the first Archie comic strip while renting a cottage at Lake, um, Wak- what is it, Wakiwan in 1942. Well, that's kind of a sweet tribute. You know, states, cities, counties have all kinds of things that reflect who and what they are. Well, New Jersey could have a, an official life-saving microbe. Well, U.S. states already have mottos, birds, songs, and flowers, but the New Jersey consideration is adding a microbe to that list. Well, New Jersey could become the second U.S. state to have an official microbe and has a life-saving history. Well, the Senate voted this past week to pass a bill recognizing, let's see, streptomyces griseus. I apologize to every medical person listening and any scientists that might happen in. Has the official state microbe, meaning it now only needs the state assembly to go ahead for the bill to become law. The microbe produces streptomycin, an antibiotic discovered in 1943, which uh, tackles diseases like cholera, tuberculosis. So it has saved millions of lives. 
um, the uh, microbes connection with New Jersey is that it was discovered in New Jersey soil, isolated from the gullet of a healthy New Jersey chicken, according to Rutgers University. In their argument for the microbe, the university's uh, Max Hagbloom, Doug Evilai, and Warhol Science uh, Sciences John Warhol said something like that. Streptomycin has been a major weapon in the war against bacterial infections, shortening and preventing illnesses, alleviating suffering, and even averting premature death. Streptomyces griseus, or something, and the antibiotic it uh, makes was uh, discovered in New Jersey at the dawn of the antibiotic era, has saved millions of lives, extended human lifespan, and has dramatically changed and improved the course of world health. New Jersey already has a state flower, the common meadow violet, and a state bird, the American goldfinch, and it appears they're on a roll. According to NewJersey.com, a state senator has suggested guide dogs should become the official state dog of New Jersey. Oregon was the first state, by the way, to recognize microbes in their list of mascots. Did you know? Well, they chose the saccharin, also known as Brewer's Yeast, in 2013. So there you have it. Congratulations, New Jersey. Almost. They're not quite there yet. Hey, taking a look at the program next week on Monday, we're going to talk with Ramona Probasco. The book is titled Healing Well and Living Free from an Abusive Relationship, From Victim to Survivor to Overcoming. Uh, Overcomer, that's the... Uh, the course you want to take if you have been uh, victimized. On Tuesday, we'll talk with June Casagrande, the author of The Joy of Syntax. I'm going to have to work on that before she arrives. The Joy of Syntax, a simple guide to all the grammar you know you should know. Wow. Maybe we could set up a study session, James, before that. Yeah, we probably do, if you could get right on that. On Wednesday, we'll talk with... um, Actually, we're not talking with. We are going to host the Pacific Northwest Adult and Teen Challenge Radiothon. We're looking forward to that. We'll talk a little bit about it on Monday and Tuesday to familiarize you with their work. And then on Thursday, Katie Reed, author of Made Like Martha, Good News for Women, uh, uh, for the woman who gets things done. Uh, That's coming up on uh, Thursday and then on Friday, of course. We'll do what we did today. So that's kind of the lineup for, um, for next week. Hey, a bit of a heads up, parents. A recent report from the American Academy of Pediatrics cautions against using plastic containers to store your children's food. More specifically, physicians at the AAP warn against microwaving food in plastic as a variety of the chemicals used to make plastic uh, come into uh, contact with food when microwaved. The Academy claims these chemicals pose health risks, especially for children. Um, So make note of that. I I think most of us have heard a little something about it. But once again, they're bringing that to the fore and encouraging parents to avoid uh, using plastic, particularly in the microwave for their children's food. A new study, the United States beats out every other wealthy nation and churchgoers. uh, But even two thirds of Americans who do not attend church regularly say it's not from lack of belief, according to a new Pew Research study. Of those who do not go to church more than a few times a year, only 28 percent say it's because uh, they are not believers. Two thirds of that group cited other reasons for their decision not to attend religious services more frequently. The biggest portion, 37 percent, say uh, they practice their faith in other ways. Hmm. And are these sanctioned ways? One might ask. And another 23% say they have not found a church they like. 
uh, of Americans who gave reason other than non-belief for avoiding regular church services. The vast majority at about 91 percent are Christian. Those who avoid uh, religious services because of lack of belief tend to be younger, male, highly educated and Democrats. About uh, two thirds or rather three fourths of those who say they lean Democratic told Pew that they do not attend church services because they do not believe. Don't make more out of that than just the statement. 55% of Americans say that they pray at least once a day, an anomaly among wealthier nations. In every other nation surveyed with a per capita GDP of $30,000, under 40% of people said that their lives include daily prayer. In the U.S., 55% say, yeah, we pray at least once a day. Now, to whom and... uh, Under what circumstance, we don't know. But the U.S. has a prayer rate comparable to much poorer countries such as South Africa, where 52 percent of people pray every day, and Bangladesh, where 57 percent of the people do. Again, sort of an interesting set of statistics. Not really sure what all of that means, but we can just take it on face value as an interesting thing to consider. Eh, let's see. Well, I'm not going to start something else because we're just about out of time. Are we really? We're just about out of time. How do I know that? Because you've just indicated that we're just about out of time. I, you know, it's funny. You, yeah, I, I guess I did, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, you did. Uh, anyway, we are just about a, out of time. Again, on Monday, we'll talk with Ramona Probasco, healing well and living free from an abusive relationship, from victim to survivor to overcomer. And uh, make a note, Wednesday, our Pacific Northwest adult, teen, and uh, adult Teen Challenge Radiothon. I want to thank James Blend for engineering and producing today's program, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.